Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. All right, thank you so much for uh, joining us again on another episode on the Bible Theory Podcast with the Chicano Knox. And, you know, for the first episode of the year, what we are going to do is revisit this uh, topic of church planting um, or, you know, planting new congregations, uh, however you want to say it, basically, uh, because, you know, it's 2022 and, I, you know, people are doing New Year's resolutions and People are, you know, writing out their goals and mission statements. And it's, it's basically, you know, that time of season where people like to uh, set out their, their course of action, plan of action, all those things, you know, losing weight, trying new diets, you know, and, and, and very few think about church planting within the first couple of weeks of the new year. And it's one of those things I, I just want, I've been itching to get back on, on this topic because it's such a juicy topic, such an important topic, um, especially in our consumer type age where people just go to church and consume, or some people don't even think about church at all. Um, and that's what my podcast is about. It's about the doctrine of the church. And so let's go ahead and cover church planting. And, you know, and to cover this, we're going to have um, Nathaniel Jolly with me. Um, Nathaniel, thank you for taking the time for joining us uh, real quick on Bible theory, just to talk about, you know, the, the nature of church planting and everything that goes in and out of that topic. Um, but for those who don't know you, um, can you please just, you know, tell us what you do and what you are about real quick for those who don't know you? Yeah, thank you, brother, for having me on. It's really a pleasure. Um, yeah, I live in Alaska. Um, I'm the pastor of uh, Homer Reformed Baptist Church here in Alaska. We are a new church plant. We've been up and running uh, publicly for, I guess, a little less than a year, um, coming up a year on March. And so, um, yeah, a little bit about well, Congratulations. Um, since you're in Alaska, have you ever seen, I'm sure you have seen the movie uh, Togo? You know, I I haven't. I I don't watch too much uh, too much uh, movies and things like that, so never heard of it. <laughs> you got to watch it, man. It's Togo. Uh, it's about the 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 dog with the sled. Um, you know, pulling the guy across uh, Alaska okay, to deliver gotcha. medicine. <laughs> it's crazy what that guy goes through in that movie, man. It's crazy. It's it's based off a true story of a dog named Togo from a dog sled up in Alaska back in 1925 or something like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah, you should check it out. Um, so yeah, so um, you know, church planting is one of those um great calls that you know privileges that people get to enjoy. Either you're a congregate and you're partaking in the church plant with your family, or maybe you're an elder, a deacon, or a pastor called to be you know leading the charge in the church plant. So there's two aspects there, I think. Um. So let, 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 let's go ahead and just talk about the motions of it. Um, what made you want to plant a church, um, Nathaniel? Um, and what called you? What were, what were some of those convictions, uh, Bible verses, burdens that you saw that you needed to go out there and plant a church? 
Yeah, uh, thanks. I appreciate the question. Um, you know, I guess I should really start by saying I am in no way or by any means a church planting expert. Uh, this is the first church I've ever planted. I've pastored for a while and I've been in ministry for a long time. Um, but this is the first church plant that, uh, you know, that I've pastored. Um, with that having been said, I, I, I guess let me also say I, my particular view is that there is no specific um, call to church planting. I, I don't believe that. I don't see that in Scripture. Um, I, I think the requirement is that you're an, uh, qualified as an elder, right? So you can go to Scripture. You can look at the qualifications of an elder. If you have those qualifications, then I think um, if if you want to go plant a church somewhere, then then you have what you need. And um, you know, and where I get that is if you look at where Paul was placing Timothy over the church in Ephesus as a pastor, you know, it he doesn't use language that indicates uh, Timothy was anything other than um, in a pastoral role. In fact, he says, go and do the work of an evangelist. So we're talking about 2 Timothy um, 4, uh, 4 and 5, right? Or, or five, it says, but you be sober in all things. This is Paul talking to Timothy, but you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Um, so if someone were to ask me, I don't think there's a, a special calling um, to be a church planner. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. Um, I think the calling is that of an elder. And then I think if God gives you a burden to plan a church, um, then you should be plugged into a healthy church. I think uh, your church should acknowledge your gifting and calling as an elder, as a pastor, um, and then send you out to, to do that under, um, you know, under some oversight. So that, that's my perspective, what I see in Scripture. I know, you know, for instance, we're a Southern Baptist church uh, currently, and uh, I know there are those within the Southern Baptist world who believe it's some kind of special uh, calling, but then show me that in Scripture, uh, and, and you mm -hmm. won't find it anywhere. So all, all of that being said, um, that's kind of how I view church planning. Now, how did we get to Alaska? Um, well, I think it's always a good place to plant churches in areas that don't have healthy biblical churches, right? Um, and so if, if you have a burden to see areas that don't have a biblical church, then, and you're qualified, or you can find men who are qualified, those are good places to plant churches. Um, and that's kind of how we ended up here. So my wife and I were actually on our way to move to Africa permanently. Um, and I won't get all into that story, but um, a long story, very short, uh, COVID hit. And of course, COVID changed a whole lot of things. The country we were moving to shut down, uh, we needed to move somewhere, and so um, our thought had always been if we were to stay in the U.S., then we were going to look at uh, one of the states that were relatively unchurched. So now you're thinking of the entire Pacific Northwest of the U.S., um, and we happened to be in Alaska at the time in God's providence when we got that news, so we met with a few uh, you know, folks in ministry here and kind of said, you know, this is what we're seeing statistically is this does this seem accurate to you? Are there places that really need uh, churches? Where would those be? You know, so a guy, you know, gave us a list of a few cities that um, he felt needed 
biblical churches, and we just picked one and we moved there. So, mm. Amen. And well, what are your thoughts on you know churches that are um like, or should I say what what is your thought on the need to plant more churches? Like, does the culture need more churches um, to be planted to 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 counteract you know secularism or whatever? Um, you know what what is like the view there on on um more churches out there i should i say yeah i you know i think as long as there are places where people do not have access to a solid church then there's going to be a need for church planting mm -hmm. i i would i would argue that the primary function of mission work is church planting um but we'll get in that that'd be a whole different conversation um, but yeah, as long as there are places where there are no church, and just by the way, there are plenty of places. Um, I spoke to a pastor in Washington State uh, where there's only maybe other one other church, and if I remember correctly, within like an hour or two from him, that would be another solid church. Here in Alaska, there are plenty of towns and cities that have no church. So as long as there are places where there are no churches, then church plants are needed. Hmm. What about places where there's many churches, but they're basically declining in membership, um, maybe closing? Because um, I, I, I read a report that one in five churches during the pandemic has permanent, permanently closed their doors. Um, so what, what about going in already church areas like Bible belts um, that are you know, the church population maybe maybe declining. Or maybe what about um churches that are like not biblical, right? So you I think I think you're onto something there where you said find a good church, plan a church where there's no church. But what if there's a bunch of areas that have churches, but they're not really good churches in terms of biblical churches. Yeah, well, I think let me first say if a church is still closed because of the quote unquote pandemic at this stage, then they're not a church and I wouldn't even count them. Um, mm. I, beyond that, um, yeah, absolutely. If, if there's an area where there are no healthy churches, then, then by all means, there should be one planted. Um, I, mm. I think what we don't look at are, are the numbers or decline. Um, those statistics can be deceitful. Because I think we live in a world where, you know, oftentimes a solid biblical church may be smaller in number. That's not necessarily true, um, but, but I think when we're looking at stats, we just have to make sure that we aren't solely focusing on what the numbers look like. But yeah, you know, if you went into an area and, you know, there was no solid biblical um, church in the area, then absolutely that would be a place that, you know, you you could plant a church amen um wh what are your thoughts on you know the story of a declining christian church in the west what are your thoughts about that in in relationship with uh with uh church planting you know i i i don't know those numbers um i'm not sure um, that there's really any correlation. If we're talking about secular, the secularization of the Western quote-unquote church, um, I, I think 
that's just on the rise because there are a lot of people in the church who aren't Christian. Mm. And uh, as we see our government putting pressure on Christian values, you know, we see this, um, you know, the homosexual, the LGBTQ drive, which puts pressure on the church. I think just what we're seeing is people who are in the church who never really were Christians. And uh, now when they're confronted by the world uh, and there's a little bit of pressure put on, we're just seeing their true color. So I'm not sure there's any real correlation between the number of churches being planted, so to speak, um, and secularization. Mm -hmm. I think um, if Christians were faithful, we should be doing evangelism wherever we are when we have the opportunity to do that. And what, you know, I come from a reform background, um, and I'm sure you probably do too. A lot of people in um, SBC do, um, you know, do have reform backgrounds. Um, and what's your thoughts on uh, a local church and their, um, I should say, their rate of activity in church planting? Should every church be involved in some type of church plant or maybe looking to maybe one day plant a church plant or working up to that ideal? Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I don't want to put any burden on a particular congregation that we don't see in scripture. And I, I think that um, for churches who are able to look towards that, it, it's a good thing, and we should do. I think really the emphasis should be on what Scripture emphasizes, which isn't church planting per se so much, but it's evangelism. And, it, you know, if churches are—look, uh, the, the role of a pastor in a church is to equip the saints to do the work that God has called them to do. Part of that is evangelism. And so as people in healthy churches become healthy— they will have a desire to uh, proclaim the gospel to those around them. They'll have a desire to evangelize. And out of that will likely become people who feel called to the ministry, who become qualified as elders, and then who will go on to plant churches. Um, and, and so rather than putting the burden on churches to just look at church planting, because I don't see that burden in Scripture, but I do see a, a, I, I do see a command to evangelize in Scripture. So I really think that's where our focus should be. I don't know that that happens enough, um, the, the evangelism. And so, you know, uh, one area of weakness will affect other areas, uh, you know, and, and I think church planting would be affected by that. Yeah, you know, um, for churches who don't evangelize, I would say maybe they're not really participating in what the church is called. Um, what what would you say to a church who don't evangelize? Well, I, I would actually make that a little more personal. It, it, it Not so much the church, but the individuals in the church. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think when we say it's the church's job to evangelize, if we're using church in the sense of everyone who gathers in the church, that's great. Um, but that is not the elder's primary role. And I think a lot of times people, um, when we use that kind of language, they think, oh, well, it's the pastor's job to evangelize, uh, and then it's just our job to come and sit under the teaching and preaching. No, actually, it's the pastor's primary job to feed the sheep. It's not to entertain the goats. It's not to do all the evangelistic work, although he'll do that as well. Um, his primary role is to equip the sheep to then go out and do the ministry God's called them to. 
And so in a healthy church, um, you should be seeing as people grow in grace and love for Christ, that they'll also have a burden to share Christ with the world around them. Uh, and, and so that would be the emphasis. And, and I, I think if you look in a church and no one has a heart for evangelism, I can't tell you what the problem is without looking into that specific, specific congregation, but I can tell you there's an issue. Um, but, you know, it's not to say that uh, in healthy churches, you'll have, um, you know, there'll be different percentages of people who are evangelizing. And so you want to see the, you know, the people in the church with a passion for that. Um, and, you know, uh, let me use John MacArthur's ministry as an example. You know, one of the things I love about um, Grace Community Church is how many ministries they have, but specifically why those ministries and how those ministries came about. Um, so as I understand it, um, a lot of their ministries happen just simply by way of guys coming to, um, you know, maybe their, their pastor in the church or the leaders in the church and say, um, you know, hey, I have a, I have a burden to go do this uh, evangelistic outreach. And um, things being checked out, the person, you know, uh, being what they should be and participant in the body of Christ there. Basically, they say, okay, go and do it and start the ministry and we're here for you. We'll support you. Um, I might be simplifying that process a little, but that's my understanding. Um, and, and so you see, for instance, in John MacArthur's church, a lot of evangelism happening. Well, John MacArthur's not out there leading every street ministry, nor should he be. He's equipping the body of Christ, and as you see the body of Christ growing um, in, in the knowledge of the Word and love for Christ, automatically, um, as that happens, you, you begin to want to um, share the gospel, to witness to those around you. You care about you know, a world that's going to hell around you, and so ministries um, you know, develop from that. And so does John MacArthur's church do evangelism? Absolutely, but it's not the church, so to speak, so much as it is the people in the church um, who are growing in Christ and understanding their calling and what they're supposed to do. And this is just the basic function of every Christian, right? We're supposed to go out into the world uh, to preach the gospel, you, you know, those verses. And so this is, this is what every Christian should be doing. No, absolutely. And I definitely agree with that. And, you know, MacArthur's ministry would be, you know, the fruits of that would just bear, bear, bear that as evidence, right? Um, as his ministry continues to grow even, what, 50 years of preaching faithfully or more yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with like, what, 25 books or more. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, but there, there is an indication of some type of decline of Christianity in the West. Um that are that is kind of related to 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 the buildings that we see as we drive down our streets and we call them church buildings and we you know we acknowledge we're like okay that's a church that over there that's a church okay you know what i mean and when i when, when i'm referring to is to to the decline of you know mainline denominations you know like the methodists the episcopalians uh you know the lutherans you know, and then you, you could work your way down. Um, there's like huge statistics, you know, from Pew Research, Lifeway. Um, you know what I mean? Even the Southern Baptists is out there reporting that the church plants are down, but like, you know, the baptisms are down per year or whatever. So there, there's some type of indication of decline in terms of like numbers. I'm just trying to think of how to put this in, in, in a way that kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, 
in, in, in a way that the listener, my listeners are, are like church people, but a lot of them are not really church people. And I want them to understand that there's some type of decline when we drive by churches. It's not all, it's not, you know, we, we drive by a huge building, right? And many people are like, man, that, that church is doing okay. And then, oh, you look at it, you're like, okay, that, that's a Methodist church, right? That's a big building, right? And then when you look up the numbers and you're like, you know what? That Methodist church, you know, down the road is actually, you know, is in decline according to its numbers around the world. It's one of the fastest declining denominations in the world. Um, the Episcopalians, the one down the road, you look it up, you're like, wow, that's a big building, you know? you know the outward appearance could look kind of deceiving you know what i mean um so what are your thoughts on that on the declining of you know the mainline denominations because when you look at 100 years ago you see the numbers you're like wow it's a big numbers a lot of people getting baptized you know all kinds of stuff happening and then when you look at 2020 and you're like whoa what happened to those denominations where they're declining and falling like the, like 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 sinking ships kind of you know well, and who knows because the lord yeah. is sovereign the lord the, it's the lord's church is nobody else's church right um but you know those are indications right those are indicators red flags whatever you want to call them penalties so those are kind of indications of something symptoms yeah well i um, think i think they're in decline because they hate god uh, you take the PCUSA mainline church, why is it on decline? If it is, again, I haven't seen the numbers, but um, we have a Methodist church uh, here in our community, and if God is gracious to our community, that, that church will stay closed. In fact, if he's gracious, maybe the building will just burn down. Um, why do I say that? Well, because that church hates God. They have a so-called woman preacher. They're okay with uh, homosexuality. They um, deny you know, the truth of Scripture, they rebel against God, and they promote that as Christianity, and it's absolutely wicked. So is that a decline? No. Um, in, in some ways, it's not. I think we've forgotten, um, you know, Matthew seven fourteen: the gate is small, and the way is narrow. I mean, everyone wants the, the gate to be, uh, you know, wide, and the path to be wide that leads to life, but that's not what we're told. We're told that there are few who find it, and so um, I, we see, and this is why numbers are so deceptive. I think especially younger Christians kind of get caught up in, and it's not just younger Christians. I mean, really the Southern Baptist world has been, um, ravaged with this thing about numbers forever. You know, every year they want you to baptize, you know, ex- they have baptism days where they just want you to baptize people. And it's all about numbers. Uh, we don't report our numbers to anyone. Um, it, you know, if we look at numbers, well, let's just look, let, let's just use Jesus as an example. Okay, this is what happens when you look at numbers. Jesus is preaching to all these crowds. He's got a crowd of uh, five thousand men, and so there's you know probably fifteen plus thousand people there because they have wives and children and that sort of thing. So Jesus has a crowd of fifteen thousand people, give or take, right? Numbers look good, um, and he says, "Unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part in me." And everyone leaves there's a decline. So let me ask you, was that a decline in Christianity? Did Jesus himself have a decline in that moment? Well, 
in some sense, but not really. So he turns, and I think it's Peter, right? He says, um, you know, what about you? And says, well, where do we go? Uh, Peter or John, I can't remember at the moment. It says, where do we go, Lord? You have the words of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really think we've got to get away from looking at numbers in terms of judging whether Christianity is on decline. Christianity is not in decline. I think what we're seeing is false converts leaving the church. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and, and I think as persecution comes, I mean, just look at Canada. Um, the, this past uh, Saturday, I think, um, they have a new law went into effect, and now you can no longer preach against homosexuality. You can't call homosexuals to repentance. You can't do anything the government deems as conversion therapy without penalty of law. And so guess what you're going to see? You're going to see not a decline of Christianity in Canada. I think you're going to start seeing who's a real Christian. And the numbers are going to be smaller than what we thought because we've forgotten Matthew seven fourteen, which says the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so I think the emphasis, in my opinion, ought to just be um, having healthy, biblical, faithful churches with qualified men um, in those churches who are preaching and teaching God's word, rightly encouraging the saints to do the work of the ministry. And God's in control of growing his church. So I, I think um, what we're just seeing with all these mainline denominations is how unchristian they really were. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're told that uh, the ones who leave the faith, they they go out from us because they were not of us. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. And we have entire denominations like the PCUSA. Um, they're, they're not on decline. They're just godless. And, and now that's un, undeniable. So I think that's what we're seeing. That's, you know, if you can't say amen, you better say ouch. Because, you know, that's that that right there where you said is true, you know, because those who are not a part of a a part of the true church are definitely going to leave, you know, like the parable of the sower, you know, um, different things get get at the word, you know, from your heart. You know, there's different things coming at you, the world, the flesh, the devil trying to get that word, trying to get that gospel out of you. Um, And then, you know, maybe they convert for a year. And then they're gone within a year. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they're there for six years and then they're gone the next year. Right. Um, definitely, definitely true. Those who are not part of the church are getting purged out, um, especially seen um, in the most recent times. Um, you're right. Numbers can be totally deceiving. You know, it's kind of like. I know you probably don't watch a lot of sports, but it's like watching a, like 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 a like a sports team going into like a like, like the playoffs, and you're like you look at their record and and you know what I mean they're like thirteen and three thirteen and three, yeah. And you're and on paper, you know it's like this team must be really good. Look at their record, and then when they go play in the real game like that really matters, they get beat up. They they, they lose. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and then when you look into it, you're like, well, what happened? It's because you relied on the numbers. You know, you thought they were good. But w- what happened was they lost their quarterback. They had all kinds of issues. Um, and that's why they lost is because they're not good. 
You know, they were never a great team. Um, so they 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 won, but it was this, it was during the season they won they won trash games. You know, it was just like not even a competition for them throughout the whole season until a real game came along and they lost. And I use that analogy because it's kind of like, you know, when you see these numbers, it's it seems like Christianity is losing, right? It seems like we're on the losing end, right? It seems like we're like fourth and fourth, fourth down in a mile, <laughs> you know? And it, it, but when you read the Bible, when you read the Gospels, Jesus wins, right? Jesus is the one who, who already won, basically. Um, so at the end of the day, we are on the winning side. At the end of the day, you know, he's purging out his church. Um, you know, at the end of the day, all the false converts, all the Judases, you know what I mean? Um, all, all the, um, you know, the, the fake preachers out there calling, them, calling themselves preachers, you know, like the Heishis, <laughs> are definitely leaving the church. And, and it's quite obvious. What would you say to people who are trying to find a church? Let's say you got a couple, um, Pastor Nate. Let's say you have a couple and they're just they're out there and they're like, they're visiting churches. They're trying really hard to find a good church. And they know the difference between a false church and a good church, but they, they can't find a church. Um, what would you say to that couple? Because I have a couple in my life that I'm trying to help, right? But what would you say to them? Yeah, I think, um, l- let me just give you a couple resources. Um if you're not sure exactly what um, defines a healthy church, um, then at, at least maybe know of some solid sources that recommend churches and, and maybe start there. So G3 Ministries, you can go to their website. Uh, I think they have a list of churches, so that would be one. Founders Ministry, so founders.org. You can do a church search on founders. Uh, you can go to... Um, uh, Grace to You or Grace Community Church, that's John MacArthur's ministry. You can do a church search on there. Those will be three places that um, are pastored by men whom I love and respect who have proven themselves to be biblical and solid over many, many years. Uh, you, I, I would say go to those and start there. Um, and, and then, you know, be in your Bibles, because there's no way you can know if a church is biblical if you don't know your own Bible. Um, you know, and so someone comes and they say, I want to look for a healthy church. Um, you know, how often are you in your Bible? Well, I, I read my Bible once every month. Well, I go to church once every two weeks. Um, it, 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 you're just not going to know what's biblical and what's not. So, you know, you can go to those websites, you can start there. And then, you know, be in your own Bible and look for the qualifications of an elder. Ask the pastor questions. You know, I love it when when people come and ask me questions and ask hard questions. You know, ask about uh, the pastor's stance on homosexuality. Ask about the pastor's stance on social justice. I mean, that's a huge one. Um, ask your pastor's stance about supporting those who um, murder children, abortion, if they're okay with any of the any of those things, then go find a different church. Um, you, you want a church that preaches the Word of God, that does expository preaching, right, that, that preaches from the Bible. Um, they open the text, and the sermon is centered around the Bible, and the point of the sermon is the point of that text. 
um, that's the kind of church you're looking for. Amen. And just real quick um, to end it, um, where can people find you? Um, do you have any, um, you know, um, websites, uh, maybe books or anything like that, um, resources um, that maybe you're coming out with or maybe you recommend? Um, how can people follow you online? Online, um, You know, can you give us some of those things? Yeah, sure. Uh, although I don't, I don't know why anyone would want, want to follow me. I'm just a, a small <laughs> country uh, preacher out in backwoods, Alaska. But um, it, you know, if, if folks want to follow me on Twitter, they can do that. It's just my name, Nathaniel Jolly. Um, all of our sermons are on our website, uh, which is homerrbc.org. Um, we're Reformed Baptist Church. Um, you know, I, I've got a book on Amazon called "All You Need: God's Word." Uh, it you know, you're welcome to that. It's, it's, a, it's a great little short read, just uh, pointing people to um, the fact that God's word is sufficient, but better than, I mean, really all of those things. I, I've got, we've all, I've also have a podcast. We do a weekly podcast, uh, myself and another pastor, where we deal with theological topics and doctrine and things that are really pertinent to the church today. Um, that's called the uh, Truth Be Known podcast. It's all one word. You can look us up there. Um, but those three ministries, and maybe let me give you a fourth one. If you're looking for solid material, I'd really recommend G3 Ministries, um, Grace to You, uh, John MacArthur's ministry, Founders Ministry, and then one more would be Heart Cry, which is Paul Washer. Between mm. those four places, if you want to throw in a five, a fifth one, you can go to Ligonier. Between those five places, I mean, a Christian can just, I mean, they can spend uh, it, the next rest of their years finding good supplemental resources. What do I mean by supplemental? Um, look, John MacArthur is one of my favorite preachers. Uh, Tom Askell of Founders Ministry. I love Tom dearly. Um, Josh Bice of G3. I don't know Josh, but uh, I, I see his post and I hear his heart. Wonderful place to get stuff. But all of that should be secondary to your own pastor, right? Um, you, you get plugged into a local church. That pastor is the pastor who's responsible before the Lord for shepherding your soul. Um, and he'll give an answer to that. And so, um, but those are great, great secondary sources. G3, Grace to You, Founders, uh, Heart Cry, and, and Ligonier. I know that's a lot, but people can maybe you know, rewind and write all those down or something. Amen. Such beautiful resources. Uh, a lot of those I actually use in my life. Um, they've been a blessing, especially uh, my brother, uh, uh, Mr. Washer, El Senor Paul Washer, man. If you don't know him, man, you better get to know him on YouTube. Go ahead, look him up. You will find out many sermons um, that are great um, about the gospel from brother Paul Washer. So, um, if you don't know Paul Washer, go ahead, go out there and go check him out. Uh, well, Pastor Nathaniel, thank you so much for your time, for your help. Um, and, you know, thank you for your ministry, um, you know, for your faithfulness out there in Alaska. Many people down here in the States, we forget about Alaska, man. We, we totally do. We <laughs> yeah. totally do, man. Like we watch it on the movies. That's about it. But, it's a different you know, world. we really don't think about it too much, you know. Um, <laughs> So uh, we definitely thank we, th we you know we, we thank you for your ministry. We, you know we are uh, you know we're mindful of it. Um, thank you for coming on and reminding us of 
you know, how important a healthy church is, uh, you know, what, what it looks like, um, and, you know, the need for healthy churches, and more and more importantly, um, being faithful to Jesus and following him. Um, to the letter, you know, with uh, faith in mind and heart, you know. Um, so I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, definitely would like to do a part two, maybe in the future, something about um, shepherding discipleship within the within the local church, like step two after you plant. You know what I mean? Like step two, what now? Um, so especially because you're a new church plant, so it's kind of like you're kind of like in that, right? Like building, building, build, building them up, right? So. Yeah. So I'd like to get into the second part of what now <laughs> after you planted a church, what now, um, you know, for, you know, cause many people just don't know what goes on with uh, church planting after you planted it. Um, so, and those are the lovely conversations I would love to have with you since you're already done that, been there um, and doing that now. So maybe next time. Amen. Well, thank you brother for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's I appreciate it, man. God bless. Have a good one, all right? All right. Bless you. Thank you for listening to The Bible Theory. Don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to Bible Theory on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and follow on Twitter at The Chicano Knox.